Hello, and welcome to Tales from the Ruther Library. I am Dan Galadner, archivist at the Ruther Library, and this Tales from the Ruther is actually coming not from the Ruther. Actually, it's not coming from Wayne State University. It's not coming from even Detroit. Um, actually, it's coming from my basement, while Troy Eller English, she's off somewhere, or off somewhere in Royal Oak doing her side of this uh, new experiment on podcasting. So yes, like the rest of the country, we're hunkering down, counting out the sheets of paper on our toilet paper rolls, playing Settlers of Catan more and more and more until I really can't stand that game anymore. And uh, basically saying, promising that we will get in shape over this extended time home uh, while eating my bonbons. But um, the show must go on. We're going to continue doing our podcast to our loyal listener or listeners and um, create some great podcasts for you. Troy, are you all ready to do this for our loyal listeners? Oh, I'm ready. I know you. How are things over in Royal Oak? Uh, you know, we're, uh, we're hunkered down, uh, spent some time outside shoveling snow into buckets with the four-year-old, uh, and <laughs> now it's all melted, so. <laughs> now it's all gone, exactly. So that, we have to find our diversions, don't we? We do. Okay, that's fine. So yes, folks, we will be doing our podcasts on a regular basis now as well, um, even though we're in basements and scattered throughout the um, Detroit area, but we'll continue doing. Oh, by the way, Troy, can you tell our listeners, uh, so we, we were blank for about a month, two months there, um, and Troy can talk the techie techie stuff of what just happened. <laughs> well, uh I got, and Dan also received, fancy new computers, and none of our software worked. So it's taken us a bit of time to, uh, to uh, figure out how to use our software again. And uh, we're, we're making it work now. We're making it work. And then we were about to sit down and record a podcast episode, but then a pandemic happened. So then that took a couple. <laughs> so that delayed us by another couple week or two. But we're back. Yeah, but, but we are back and better than ever using new software. Um, thank you, um, <clears throat> the fruit company, for uh, messing up our software there. But, uh, <laughs> we're all back. We're definitely back. Okay, uh, this show, we're going to be talking to our field archivist, Dr. Lewis Jones. He, uh, we all said that we would be getting in touch with him at least once a year uh, to see what kind of collections he's brought in that's been opened up for uh, your use. Last year, we did a nice uh, biography of Lewis, um, as well as we discussed uh, the collections he had brought in that we opened. Uh, one collection was the Utah Phillips collection, then there was the Detroit NAACP, and our collection, and the uh, LGBTQ collection. Uh, you can go back to our, our website and check out that episode. It was, it was good. It was nice. But now we have some really cool stuff that Dr. Jones has brought in, telling us stories about various collections that are now open. Uh, this episode, we'll be talking about uh, the collections of William Gurney, which is really nice and juicy because you're dealing with spy stuff. You're dealing with this guy that was hired to uh, by the auto industry to spy on communists, and then to spy on unions, and then to spy on other things. A lot of double dealing stuff going on in this collection. It's really nice, juicy stuff that I think a lot of people will really enjoy. Uh, then we move into the world of Raymond Scruggs, who is credited with opening the doors for African Americans into the white collar world. And lastly, the collection of Ed Vaughn, a man who was involved with, the mu with much of the black consciousness of Detroit from the 1960s to, well, he's still alive, so I'm sure he's still active in some of their areas. But the collection covers the 1960s through about, I think, the 90s, early 90s. 
So now this episode is some good podcast-worthy stuff for our welcome back. So enjoy. Hey, Lewis, how you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me. As always, it's a pleasure to have Dr. Jones with us. We always enjoy talking with you. It's been a while. It has. So um, you have a couple collections you'd like to talk about, and uh, we'll, we'll dive into them. So Great. the first person you mentioned was uh, that you want to talk about is uh, William Gurney. Is that am I pronouncing that right? I, I, I think so, Gurney or Gurney. I, I, I'm not 100% sure myself. All right, who is this guy? Why do we have his collection here? Yeah, you know, very interesting. Um, he uh, worked for a corporation, uh, I think Chrysler Corporation. He was an industrial efficiency expert. And so, um, okay. yeah, so, so that's what he did with Chrysler and, and just trying to make uh, the corporation much more efficient. Um, I'm sure he was not the greatest friend of unions um, because that often meant um, speed ups and things like that. But at some point along the way, he was hired, uh, I think, by a corporate concern here in the Detroit metropolitan area to infiltrate the Communist Party in Detroit. Um, and so um, and so that's what he did. He infiltrated them. He became a, a member, a quote unquote member, uh, a provocateur, I think is what they often are, are referred to as. And um, he, he joined. He moved up the ranks. Um, and uh, ironically, the Communist Party had him um, infiltrate labor unions in, really? in, um, in the Detroit area to make the story even more convoluted. And, uh, and in his role and his job, this is how he perceived himself is to disrupt. Um, uh, you know, one of the, the great documents within his collection is a biography, an autobiography that he wrote, which is about 40 pages long. For some reason, there are about seven pages that are missing. And much of what I'm sharing right now is, is from that autobiography. And so um, it's not a large collection, but it was a great collection. Um, I, I got a call from his granddaughter about three years ago or so. And she said she had this material and, and, and she, she described it briefly. And um, I came out and, 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 and saw it, came out to her, her home and saw it. And we talked a little bit more and I asked her if she was sure she wanted to donate this material. We're happy <laughs> to have it. Um, and she said, oh yeah, no, absolutely. I said, um, and I explained that, you know, the material would be made available to the public, um, uncensored, and that, you know, a wide range of researchers would um, be making use of it and, and you know, sharing more about um, her grandfather. Um, and so uh, she was pleased with that. It, it, and, and so that's what I did. We picked up the material, brought it back to the archives and and, and, in, and in fairly short order, we had it processed. It wasn't a huge collection. Um, I think a couple linear feet in, in extent there, but, but a great collection. Yeah. Um, you, know, you, you often hear stories about the infiltration of the Communist Party, but it's uh, not that usual to find actual documentation that, that documents that from a you know, fairly credible, reliable source. And, and that's what this um, uh, collection uh, documents. Absolutely. Here's the primary documents of showing someone spying 
within the Communist Party than spying on the unions. This right, kind of like a right, double right. agent in a way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um, actually, one of the things he did too, uh, subsequently, I, uh, um, he he um, uh, was hired by a Ford Motor Company um, after he did this other work I just made reference to. He he worked for Ford Motor Company, and he. Uh, <laughs> Um, kept records on people that he considered to be subversives, um, uh, employees, uh, auto workers. And uh, so the, there's a card file of, about their, you know, the different affiliations that um, some of the Ford employees had, um, which was also very much in line with just the kind of guy I was that, that he, he, he thought that, you know, communists and subversives were, you know, out to destroy the country. And, and it was his job, his duty, to um, uh, disrupt them whenever, whenever and wherever he could. He did, and he did that for, for a number of years. What, what year span are we talking about here? That's a good question. Um, the 30s, um, I believe that's when he worked for Chrysler, maybe in the 20s, in the 30s, um, and in the 40s too, for sure. The 30s and the 40s was the, the prime period that we're, we're talking about. You know, We often hear about um, uh, the Cold War and McCarthyism and how it kind of picked up steam after World War II, but he was involved in this work um, uh, before World War II, um, which which makes it uh, one of the things that makes it a unique collection. Yeah, it does because that's as you said, it's right before all the red, a huge red scare. But it was also a time where like a lot of unions and the communists were doing a lot of things during the Great Depression that scared a lot of people in power. So yeah, yeah absolutely right. Yeah, yeah so here's a unique document that, and documents it from a perspective that we don't. Um, uh, hear about much, which is what makes it unique and uh, which I, I think is going to be a reason why a lot of people are going to be um, um, making use of it in their research. We all, we've already had um, one person in, in pretty short order, in fact, come through and uh, make a fairly good use of the collection and, and has an article out already, nice. um, which has been out for about a year and a half now, uh, largely based on this collection. That's awesome. See, this is this is really unique too. Like that, someone would come out of the blue and just contact you like that, and we grab right. this question. This is going to be a great resource for people studying the Communist Party. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. All right. Up next, we have someone completely different. Um, you wanted to talk about Raymond Scruggs. Ramon Scruggs. Ramon um, Scruggs. Yeah, Ramon Scruggs. Um, uh, another great collection and. Uh, this one came to us uh, very differently. The last um, collection, uh, William Gurney, the, the donor, has known about us. Her daughter, I think, went to Wayne State University, so she's kind of familiar with us, and she gave us a call, and that's how we got it. But, but this donor, you know, I, I went and spoke to uh, the Fred Hart Williams Gene Genealogical Society. This is a genealogical society of African Americans here in Detroit, and they meet uh, once a month um, during the school year. And, and they talk about genealogical issues associated with uh, African-Americans, particularly those that are living in Detroit. And so I spoke there one, uh, one Saturday uh, morning or afternoon and told them about our collections and that we are interested in the records of some of the people that might be there and, and explained that our records could be used as genealogical resources for them. And someone in the audience um, knew someone who they mm -hmm. thought would like to donate their records to us. And it was actually the daughter of Ramon Scruggs. And so she got in contact with me and in fairly short order, um, uh, the boxes were sent to us. Uh, one of our archivists, um, Gavin Strassel, uh, processed the collection and they're now available to uh, the public. 
conflict. But, uh, you know, Ramon Scruggs was a really interesting kind of guy. He, he went to Fisk University in um, uh, Nashville, um, uh, Tennessee, uh, uh, predominantly uh, black college, an HBCUs, uh, it's often referred to as. And, and he was trained by somebody, I forgot professor's name, but there was a professor who, who was a big proponent of, I guess what, what other people were referred to as affirmative action, except that the term didn't exist then. It was his idea that um, if predominantly white owned corporations, big, large, small, and then in the middle, mm -hmm. hired African-Americans because then those same African-Americans have uh, an entree into the black community and uh, everybody wins uh, in this kind of scenario. And so, um, Ramon Scruggs uh, worked at a baking uh, company uh, first, and but then he he got a job with Michigan Bell and then AT and T. But here, you know, here based in in Detroit, mm -hmm. and he was involved in the civil rights movement. But he was a business leader, um, and and at one point of his life, he was a, a would consider himself a Republican, uh, uh, so supported uh, Richard Nixon, but was a strong proponent of ensuring that African Americans had options to work in a large, um, you know, Fortune 500 type uh, corporations and, and assisted in any way he could to ensure that that would happen. And so uh, um, it's a collection of about six or seven boxes, um, has uh, both personal correspondences. This is one of the major um, categories of uh, material that's in that collection, personal correspondences and business correspondences that, that reflect, you know, this general idea that I mentioned and, and reflect his uh, various affiliations I I as well. So this is an example of <laughs> just one of the ways that we collect material and, and another example of a, the type of collection that we have here at the Ruther oh. Library. Yeah, absolutely. We try to collect what some people consider the horizontal collecting. You know, we collect it all in a way that's all reflected within work. Um, right. I have a quick question, though. Uh, was sure. he the first African-American in the in, uh, Michigan Bell working in the white collar side of things management side yeah yeah yeah. i believe he, he was the first african-american in that, that category yes and so he was a first um uh but you know he was the type of guy that he didn't want to be the last he wanted to uh, pull people up along with him and he made it that uh, that a part of his mission um and he began working there i believe in the 1930s so michigan bell hired an African-American white collar worker that early, which is unfortunate in many respects, but by the same token, this is a corporation that, that did that much sooner than many others. Yeah, that's that's actually, thinking about it, might be some great PR for AT&T to have on their side. Right, um, right. So you have all sorts of researchers coming in studying of, um, of affirmative action, as well as uh, corporations dealt with opening up the, you know, the, let's say the glass ceiling for African-Americans, right? So we'll right, and no, absolutely. Um, yeah, Ramon Scruggs was uh, definitely in, in that category of type of individual. Very cool. Okay. Um, the last person you wanted to talk about was the famous, and still is the famous, Ed Vaughn, right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, Ed Vaughn, uh, I believe he was from Nashville, uh, Tennessee, uh, a very prominent uh, Black nationalist of the, the 50s, 60s, 70s, and, and to this day, too, for that matter. <laughs> it's you know it's interesting how you get these collections um I, when i get things framed you know nicely framed uh things i, I go to a, a frame shop um owned by a guy by the name of eric vaughn eric's i've been framed <laughs> the name of shop yeah. on livernoy <laughs> in detroit and um and i've been getting my things there framed for some time and i you know got in conversation with them and i 
and, and we must have talked about his father. I knew his father was Ed Bond. And um, so he put me in contact with his father and, and we had a number of discussions and um, we began collecting his material, which is now available uh, to the public. But again, Ed Bond was very prominent uh, black nationalist and still is. Um, I was a member of the Shrine of the Black Madonna here in Detroit, um, attended the, the Sixth Pan-African Congress, was, the executive, was an executive assistant of Coleman Young and um, served in the House of uh, Representatives in, in, in Michigan uh, for a number of years in the 80s and, and more recently as well. Uh, well, but no longer in that capacity. He's moved down to Dothan, Alabama, where he's played a very major role in with the NAACP in Alabama, in both Dothan and, and, and in the state. I think he's the president of, of the state NAACP, I believe. Uh, but, but an activist all through his life, you know, it's all through his bones. And, and so, um, you know, we're very happy to have that collection and the circuitous way that we, we got it is, is kind of uh, reflective of how, sometimes how we get collections here. Right, that's a very, uh, you know, interesting way of getting a collection there, Lewis. Absolutely, just by yeah. going to get a shop. <laughs> just in <laughs> um, personal context at times. <laughs> sometimes it is, it absolutely is. And so uh, one thing I remember that Vaughn is he owned a bookstore Yes, yes. I, I'm glad you brought that up. But yeah, 1965, he opened a bookstore, uh, Vaughn's bookstore, which is actually in the exact same location where Eric's I've been framed is located. Oh, really? that back in for a second. Yeah, it was a prominent black focused uh, bookstore. It is, as far as we're aware, at least it's the second uh, oldest black bookstore in the country, no longer existing. Uh, but it was at that time. And um, was a um, very much an institution. You know, people would come by and there would be discussion groups that would be housed there. And it was just like a, like a community. And it was an institution where everybody knew about Vaughn's bookstore and, and knew the kind of man he was and the kind of books that, that he owned. And it attracted all kinds of people uh, who were interested in black history and, and uh, uh, black culture. You know, especially associated with the United States, but you know, in terms of just the African diaspora more generally. All right. So again, this collection connects with so many of our other collections. I, first thing I was thinking of how we connect, even with the bookstore. I imagine drum people who are part of the drum, the Dodge Revolutionary Union movement. We go to his bookstore and learn more about revolutionary tactics and stuff, and have this absolutely kind of in his bookstore. absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I can see a connection with uh, Boggs, our Boggs collections, as well as the NAACP collections. Oh, there'd be all kinds of connections there. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, that's one of the great things about the Ruther Library is that people come in and it might not be one-stop shopping, so to speak, when it comes to research. But if you are uh, researching in one, one collection, it, it often brings you to another collection. And just the connections that you just mentioned is uh, reflective of that in a very significant kind of way. That is very cool stuff that you brought in, Lewis. We always appreciate what you do out there, either getting your pictures framed and finding those connections or again, or speaking <laughs> out around the community. You know, that's part of our job as well. We're it out is. there in the community talking to people and next thing you know, we get a new collection coming in. Yes, yes. Very cool. All right, anything else you'd like to add about these three collections? Oh boy. Um... The things that we know now are in large part, well, in some part, I don't want to overstate it, but, but our archives serve such an important role in, in our community, in our, in our collective consciousness, in our understanding of who we are 
Um, you know, there are things that our children and grandchildren would not know had it not been for the fact that, you know, Ed Vaughn personally, and then the descendants of uh, William Gurney and, um, and Ramon Scruggs, sorry, yeah. You know, the fact that they, they donated these records to us allows us uh, to make them available and for whether it be historians, people doing documentary films or, or exhibits in, in museums, um, these are some of the types of people that make use of our, our collections and, and then allow all of us, you know, co collectively uh, through these different projects to know about our history, our culture and, and our, our identities here in this country and beyond. Well put, well put, Dr. Jones. Again, Thank thanks you. for having I think it's being on our podcast again, and we'll be talking to you again about other collections that come into the Ruther Library. Okay? Great. You're very welcome. I look forward to that. All right. Thanks, Lewis. Great, great. Thank you. All right, folks. Those are some very cool collections that we have. And plus, on top of all the other collections we have, we have some amazing stuff. However, we are on lockdown. We will not be seeing uh, the Ruther Library for probably till mid-April. Uh, don't worry. Those collections are going nowhere. They're safe and sound. Um, and we're making sure that they will be wide open and ready for you guys after all this is done. Stay safe, stay healthy, in solidarity. This is Dan and... Troy. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day. Oh, you too, Dan. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Tales from the Ruther Library is a production of the Walter P. Ruther Library of Labor and Urban Affairs at Wayne State University, coming to you from the heart of the Cultural Center of Detroit, Michigan. The producers of Tales from the Ruther Library are Dan Glogner and Troy Eller English. Special assistance from the Ruther Podcast Collective, including Bart Bilmer, Elizabeth Clemens, Megan Courtney, and Paul Neerink. Of course, this podcast could not be done without the research and the support of the entire Ruther Library staff. To learn more about the Ruther Library, or if you have any questions, please visit our website at www.ruther.wayne.edu. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye, Dan. Goodbye, Dan. Uh, How was that? No, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Again? It's fine? No, oh, it's good. fine. Okay. It should All be right. fine. Very nice. Whatever, you know. Oh, Dan, I've just lost you. Dan, where'd you go? Your kids must be using all of your bandwidth. Lousy kids. Hey! I don't know what happened. Yeah. My Wi-Fi dropped. I uh, blamed it on your kids. For I'm using... sure they're probably all uh, Minecraft, watching movies, and overloading the bread. Uh, yeah, overloading it. Yeah. Of course they are. That's what they do best. All right, guys. Um, stay healthy. Stay safe. Yep. Bye. Yep. Congratulations on finding toilet paper. Woo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs>